This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So the American Dialect Society has declared uh, Aussie, uh, the, the, the suffix. <laughs> this, is, this is the craziest article I've seen it like in my I could not believe this was real. Yeah, it's it's very real. Uh the American Dialect Society has declared Ussie, the suffix Ussie, as their word of the year for 2023. And Ussie is a suffix that um essentially uh, originated <laughs> among uh gay men by use by by with the word bussy, yeah. uh which is referring to <laughs> the butthole um as like a boy a boy pussy, I guess. Um, <laughs> right, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Uh and it's fascinating because the American Dialect Society published a whole, like a a whole thing, like a like a full blown press release with context and other nominations and other words that were up uh, for nomination, like Dark Brandon, Quiet Quitting, Slava Ukraini, and Special Military I, Operations. I I love the image of a bunch of what I assume is you know very self serious English PhDs sitting <laughs> yes. in a conference room somewhere and like Peoria, Illinois talking about adding bussy to, <laughs> as like the most important <laughs> word for 2023 it's just absolutely absurd i remember when i called too, when, is that it? when i called the show that the drag show that i did bussy and people were just like so confused by it i love well, it it's, it apparently it originated in 2007 on urban yeah. dictionary Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah at least 15 years uh, ago. So, Urban um, Dictionary is a great resource, by the way. It, it really is. All the time. Yeah, I, I probably use it like once a month to be like, the fuck does that mean? You look it up, you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. Thanks, UD. Sorry, Elliot, <laughs> go ahead. No, no, no. Um, the chair of the ADS, the American Dialect Society Committee, he wrote in a statement, his name is Ben Zimmer. <laughs> he wrote in a statement that, quote, Ussy, the suffix Ussy, highlights how creativity in new word formation has been embraced online in venues like TikTok. The playful suffix builds off the word pussy to generate new slang terms because he's referring to Ussy, the suffix, which can be, uh, you know, and it can be anything. You could call your, yeah. you know, your pizza, p- p- pizza, p- 
pizzasi or something like uh-huh. it's it's really playful that way but you know he says the process has been so productive lately on social media sites and elsewhere that he's describes it as pus, uh, ussification so mm. yes ussy is the suffix but the I've ussification never, of these terms I've, is really the word of the year i haven't heard anything outside of pussy and bussy so what are the other other have it's you ever internet within yeah. context of like I think jokingly in like, you know, in like online Twitter and stuff like that, like the idea of saying like pizza, pizzussy or whatever, or like Uh. just referring it to just adding the suffix is like, I think the next step of the joke of the bit. Yeah. But there there doesn't have, does there have to be some sort of like, like sexual connotation or, or like. No, it goes bussy. Obviously, is sexual, but the 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 um the the stuff that comes from it, the resi- the resi- residual um, yeah. ussification, is not necessarily sexual. It's more just like I think I'm... it's sort of poking fun at the word itself. Yeah. Okay. I don't like the a word li- bussy. A it's... little lost. Oh, I find it to be <laughs> so fun. I love it. I find because it makes people who know it. At pretty uncomfortable which i love and it it it's it's just so it's just so queer in a way that like i have always found the internet to be very queer and in general you know what i mean i feel like i feel like the internet has made particularly your internet is no 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 no, because i'm talking about like the the you know straight dudes looking for porn online they're gonna see different types of sex now and which they never would have before the internet ever and, that's right. That's and right. And that's so the 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 queerness of the internet and how it sort of like creates the mainstreamness of queerness. I love that. And this whole conversation is so it personifies so much of what I love about the internet, which is just sort of like forcing straight people pri- primarily or mainstream audiences to be like, "You're going to learn this queer word, and it's going to make you uncomfortable." And I love it. So what was so what about we have a friend we have a mutual friend whom we all the three of us love beyond words. Uh, we'll go nameless. They're, they're and nameless. and well, I'm, I'm not going to give a name because yeah. this person has told me that she does not like the word pussy. Oh, and sort of like a derogatory, crass slang term to uh, referencing, quite frankly, a woman's vagina uh, more often than not. And I've always actually I've always tended to kind of avoid using it on the pod. I mean, I have used it on the podcast plenty. And in reference when to you talk Elliot, to me, talk about me. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. But I, I recognize it. I feel like, I feel like most women would find it kind of crass and, and like absurd that I'm using this word, especially within the context of like my butt. So like, what would you say to someone who doesn't like the word, who finds the word pussy really inappropriate and crass? I'd say the same thing to someone who doesn't like the word queer or doesn't like the the queer people using the word faggot or anything. And it's like, it's a, it is not a female word. It is because not all females have vaginas and it is, it is a word. Most females, most do, most do, but but if we take gender out of it, if we take, if we take gender (laughs) out of it, if we take gender out of it and we focus on how queer people are using the word. And yes, there's a conversation that how we abuse sort of the, we just talked about it with Jen about how we sort of talk about vaginas and how we talk about body parts in general and how we gender them in ways that we shouldn't. And I feel like this in a weird way is kind of like even proving the point that like 
it is all a spectrum. And like you can call yes, your butthole yes. a pussy if you want. And if that's your means of identifying how you have sex, well then I say all the power to you. But but mm. I understand why your why our friend who I, I'm not even sure who we're talking about, but I understand why our friend would be <laughs> I know, like, am I. Yeah. I don't like I don't like calling my vagina a pussy because it it maybe to her it feels juvenile it feels I get childish it, it feels immature it feels infantilizing yeah. I totally understand that so I think pussy has become the overarching term I mean especially for I think straight guys um but or or you know alpha straight guys but I do think in the same way like I would never use the term bussy for real, but I do <laughs> right. think that it's, but it really has, I, I really think it's, it's a, it's remarkable, a remarkable proof that the gay internet, that, that Brent, you're not really like into it. I feel like I'm like half step, my, I'm like half in and Alan get is in it and understands it. That gay internet and that gay online life really has crossed over mm. so much to the mainstream that the American dialect society is talking about bussies. Yeah. Like, I think it's proof positive that like what felt small or could feel yeah. niche has become huge. Yeah. And mm. it's, it's just, it's why it's just a wild thing to watch. It makes me smile in the it's same huge. way that yeah. like, I hear like women saying, you know, get off my jock or like suck my dick or like, I love yeah. that because it's like, it it takes down all of the walls around this language and the gender around this language. And it's just like, no, it's a, it's in this case, Bussy's a, a, a playful term to describe a sex or where your body part that you enjoy. But in other ways it can be like an insult. It can be all kinds of different things. And I, I think that's so creative and fun. And it's just, it, it's one of my favorite things about the internet that the stupid things we create, you know? Bussy pride, bussy pride. I just <laughs> want to add to that uh, on SNL, they apparently got two characters, two characters on the air recently named Debbie Hole and Stacy Bussy. So it's still subversive enough that like it was just right out in the open on SNL. But like, would people in the audience know? Probably not. And yet here we are. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Show us your bussy. <laughs> <laughs> Not even joking. Well, we are joined today by an incredibly talented and funny and insightful author, Jen Winston. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for calling me all those things. Yeah, thank all those you. great things. Anyone right? who wears uh, a shirt, how nice. Anyone who wears a share shirt is okay in my okay. Good, good. Uh, I I weirdly panic when I do intros, so I should have actually, when I said author, I should have given the name of the book that you just wrote, but I didn't. <laughs> but as it turns out, it's not too late to do that. So the book that you wrote was called Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. Yes, uh, it was. Relatable. On your yeah, right, for real. Yeah. Uh, yes, congrats on the, on the book. How was that? How was the process of writing it and everything? Thank you. Um, it was hell. It was horrible. Yeah. It was it was so hard. Um like I had wanted to write a, a collection of essays my whole life. Like that was like the one thing I wanted. And then I it finally happened over the pandemic. And um, because bi representation is like not a thing that people think people care about. Yeah. Um, I think people really do care about it. But um, my agent 
And our publisher were like, we have to get this book out on by visibility day. And so we were like, it was October. So we mm -hmm. by visibility days on in September. So we were like, we could either get it out what? next year or the year after. And oh, I was wow. like, I want it fast, which my agent should have told me not to do. But yeah, so I wrote it. That's so bad. It and launched it. It's very by. <laughs> wait, it's wait, wait. Very like mentally not okay to make this decision. But I wrote it and put it out in less than a year. Wow. That's wow. insane because books it, take insane. a long I know. time. It was a horrible idea. I would not wish it on anyone. I had, I had, I, I was lucky enough to publish a book like, 13 oh, years ago someone's got it and, <laughs> and i had a nervous breakdown a full-blown oh, nervous breakdown because yeah. they also made me do it on a deadline that was ridiculous and unnecessary oh. and i was like i can do it i can do it i can do it i can do it and then yeah. Yeah. exploded what yeah. was what was your deadline i had to do it was it was writing but also editing and uh, editing an an, yeah an anthology of essays for a, it was random house too it wasn't like a, a small imprint, yeah. but they maybe do it in under like three months and there was like oh my tw God. 20 essays like i don't know how to i'm not a, i never edited s you know like yeah. yeah this was all new yeah. it was all like the blog to gold book. stars and sent it into the random house there's <laughs> yeah. all over it <laughs> it was crazy i had to like chase down like get photo documentation because yeah. the re photo release uh, for uh, old photos it was it was wild it was yeah. it was yeah, yeah. So the I, hardest I part or go ahead i was gonna say i will say jen i am furiously jealous that you were actually productive during the pandemic it sounds yeah. like <laughs> yeah upset was it like shakespeare wrote uh i don't know king lear or something what was that like meme that was being shared in the beginning oh uh, yeah i remember that like in a it was like trying to make us optimistic. Yeah, but never. <laughs> oh, God. Not, no, you can't. Even even when you are optimistic and like someone like you actually get something done, there's still you're still probably stressed about it. Oh my God! Oh, yeah. yeah, and now I'm in like the I'm just coming out of the depression that follows, um, which yeah. no one told me about, and I'm now telling all my friends who are like publishing. I'm like, just warn you, like even yeah. if your book does well, you will be very depressed because it's yeah. like. It's like a postpartum yes. situation, and I'm I'm not the one like using that term. Like that term is used all over like publishing, yeah. um, and I feel like it's so real. Like yeah. I, I was like, "Whoa, this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do," and now I did it. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. It, 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 yeah. in, in a in a creative field, like you know, sometimes you work on a big project for a year or sometimes yeah. longer. Yeah, and. And like when that project ends, whether you, you know, got paid a lot of money or a very little money or whatever, uh, whether it came to fruition or not, you are like, oh, my, I am completely useless. I, <laughs> yeah. I have no direction. Yeah. I Absolutely. will never have purpose again in my life. It's really easy to go down that road. Yeah. Yeah. But well, well go ahead. No, go ahead, Jen. I was just going to say now I figured out how to work with that and I'm writing a novel and oh. the protagonist is like uh well right now she's an author I'm, I'm hoping to make that a little bit more unique from my own experience but <laughs> but who is dealing with like the sophomore slump situation oh, uh nice. like yeah and I was like oh this is gonna help me work work through my shit so yeah yeah, yeah. well so uh, I wanted to ask you about the book like what do, why do you think there is such because there's I mean even though I think we could probably use more, I feel like, because I live in a queer world, that there's a lot of queer visibility in general, specifically, I think, gay, not so much lesbian or trans, but like gay men are very well represented, I think, in a lot of areas. Why do you think that like bi visibility is so 
I would say sometimes controversial, but also like nuanced and not so visible. Okay. Yes. I'm glad you asked this question. Um, so the thing, one of the things I learned while researching for the book is that like a, people think there's by representation, but it's this type of representation that's like in, in accordance with show don't tell, you mm. know, which is like guide storytelling, especially in the media. Uh, um, they often will like show bisexuality rather than name it because it's like less cheesy to do it that way. I get it. Yeah. Um, but it also makes bisexuality look like a behavior rather than an identity. Mm. And I, I like when I kind of like realized that it was it like took me for a, a loop about why I hadn't felt like I could own this identity because I a lot of the book is about me like trying to have a queer experience and failing miserably for like several years mm. um uh, one of the like goodreads commenters was like there are too many men in this book and i was like you know what i agree that's the point of the book <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. that's kind of where I, what i was going for but um yeah i i think i didn't feel like because i hadn't done bisexuality i didn't feel like i could like claim it um and that's yeah, so, I, so i think there's yeah because it's like, I mean, I, we had a past guest on the podcast, um, Sam Kiefer, who he we talked about him coming out. He's a, he edits um, Office Ladies podcast and a bunch of other podcasts. Anyway, he came out late as bi as well. And we've often talked. He's a good friend of mine. And we've talked about sort of that experience of like maybe mostly dating people of the opposite gender, but at the same time, like maintaining that bi visibility, that bi identity, even though you're not maybe sort of executing on it and doing it you're not executing people of the same gender i don't mean that but maybe you're not acting on it as such but you still have that sexual interest and it's a part of your identity so it's i can see that being a struggle in a public sense because we want to see the proof we want to see the pussy <laughs> yes ex literally exactly and yeah i think like uh also it, it's just gotten so much wait sorry i completely lost my train of thought sorry i knew this would happen to your editor i'm like drinking a Celsius to compensate well, you know, my well, Adderall well, wearing off. I, I, um, I, have, I, have a, I have a similar question. And it's actually funny because you say you get this comment uh, from that person about how there's too many, there's too, there's too many men in this book. Yeah. And this is like a, a major theme that you talk about is that, you know, dealing with the fact that you're not quote queer enough sometimes. Mm. Yes. Um, and that's like a really consistent thing. I think that bisexual, I mean, sort of along the lines of what Alan was just saying, like so relatable too. what was it? Yeah. What was your process in dealing with that? And like, how do you respond to critics, quote unquote, critics, some, some critics on Amazon? Or, Sometimes or a loser reads it and then wants to be critical. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, well, I, I think a lot about the fact that I, I don't think I would have gotten this book deal if I had been in a relation. I, my partner is a uh, trans non-binary and um, uses they, he pronouns at the time of the book being published use they them pronouns exclusively and like i think that has a lot to do with why someone was willing to publish the book which is not like good uh by any means um but i think if i'd been dating like a cis man or if i'd been dating a man if i'd been dating a woman um or if i'd been single i don't think anyone would have felt like my bisexuality was gender which is inclusive. crazy because yeah, that's crazy. like dick who you're dating dictating exactly a, a book like a literally like a full blown thing yeah 
Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's my wild. partner does like to take credit, but, uh, and I let them, but, um, it, I mean, I, I just think like it had so much to do because it was a memoir because it's a memoir. It had so much to do with the way, like my bisexuality was perceived because the word can be so the word is so polarizing. A lot of the time I get the question, what's the difference between bi and pan? Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Which is like the way that I see it is, uh, and I I actually had like a whole FAQ at the beginning of the book that I eventually took out because it was very boring. Um, but I answered this in that <laughs> FAQ, uh, deleted theme, um, that my point of view is it's really the same thing. It's just like whichever word resonates with you more um, because- Ultimately, they they mean the same thing. Pan was created to kind of like offset the the thought that bisexuality was trans uh, exclusionary or or like right. binary exclusionary, which wasn't hadn't been the case. And I there are still a lot of people who are like, I'm bisexual. I like men and women. And I'm like, no, no, please don't do that to our community. <laughs> like, please don't make like not what it means. Rule out. Exactly. Like, and, you know, like gender queer people can look any type of way. And it's just like, it, I, it, it really bums me out when that happens. Cause that's like an intercommunal conversation we need to be having in the, yeah. in the bi community. And there's not really a bi community or like a place or a forum for us to have it. Right. So, but I'm, right. Confu- I'm conf- still confused only because it, 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 when, People say that they're pan. It usually it usually feels like it's it's um, it's uh, it comes with the idea of being attracted to like anybody gender gender queer like anybody gender be damned, and it's just about yes. the person bisexuality. And correct me if I'm mistaken. Is it what you're saying is like you you also are saying it's it's not as it's not as binary as somebody saying, I like men and women, so I am bi. Ver- it, 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 is there a difference? So if that's the case, then isn't is pan and bi not just two words for the same thing? I, I think of them as two words for the same thing. But you actually touched on what I think the very like small semantic difference mm-hmm. is, which is um, that pansexuality says like you could be attracted to someone regardless of gender whereas i think gender actually plays a huge role in how i am attracted to people and it's like a it's not like an invisible quotient for me it's like a big part of the story and i i there's no reason and it's definitely not like correct that that is bisexuality versus that is pan just that's one of the small distinctions in like the way that they are kind of used yeah. i guess that yeah. i that i see oh, yeah, yeah so, go so ahead. L- l- let me also ask so that the the title of the book is like i said greedy most from a bisexual who wants too much what does it mean to be greedy in a bisexual sense <clears throat> well so it is a i guess not slur but like it's a it's a shitty thing said about bi people all the yeah. time um that like oh you want everything you're just greedy um and and the way i was like the when i finally realized that i could reclaim that word um was i was talking to my friend uh ben he's a bisexual man he's in the book because we dated uh but we're friends now um and he was like why is that a bad thing 
uh, that people always say bisexuals are greedy. And like, I just don't understand why, like being sexually greedy is bad. And then I was like, yeah. yeah. And then, and then it kind of like opened up this whole lens for me to talk about all the other things I wanted to talk about, which was like sex positivity and like, I don't know, the patriarchy and, and the, I don't know, just power dynamics in general. Um, because greedy is like, I, I could have called it confused because that's another stereotype that I tried to like reclaim a little bit in the book, but yeah. it's not as, it's not as sexy. Yeah, no, greedy. You know? but it's so interesting in that, like, you're, it's amazing how much the, we use sexuality as identifiers. You know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily, mm-hmm. even though I feel like I am a gay person, I don't necessarily feel comfortable just saying gay because I feel more comfortable saying queer, not because I'm necessarily attracted to any other gender other than what I usually am attracted to, which is like male identifying, presenting, gendered, even though they don't necessarily have to be this male, that presentation Mm -hmm. is what I'm attracted to. But it's this idea of like, these are identifiers for us. So the fact that like you can call yourself bisexual, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're only attracted to men and women, people who identify or, or present themselves as men and women, there's a spectrum there. And just allowing people the space to sort of like, be whoever the fuck they want to be and label themselves however they want to label themselves without sort of dissecting it in a judgmental way which a lot of gay men do well they want to know i mean i mean i i I think i can pretty confidently say it's because they want to know who you're fucking Mm -hmm. (laughs) how you're fucking Mm -hmm. why when like it's unfortunately it does all boil down to like the dirty details which i think is probably what dilutes the conversation why a book like yours is pretty you know important yeah and actually that is a huge reason i was so afraid to come out um because the word bisexual has such a sex connotation um i was like if i tell my coworkers this they're gonna think i'm having threesomes all the time and at the time that was that was true and so i was like i can't say anything um but like eventually when i did you know they were like oh that's great um but it was it was only until I could really break it apart from the behavior. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's why I'm so glad you asked the question about the media first, because it really like everything starts with the media. Sure. But like with bisexuality, it like you can really trace it back down to that like very specific thing. And even now I'm seeing so much more like attempted by representation. But if they don't in my book, if they don't say the word, it doesn't count um yeah Yeah, what what is your ideal what is your ideal bisexual representation okay uh have you seen the show generation it's you (laughs) yeah it's me um it is we are we are trying to make it into a a series right now but so it's that um but um have you seen the show generation canceled on hbo was oh yeah 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 of its time yes generation very good yeah i don't know it had uh pete davidson's girlfriend Chase Sweet Chase Wonders was, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. It was very good. And um, yeah, and, and all the talent and it was great. It was a great show. Um, but they had a uh, like bisexual high school student, a guy who um, was like in the first episode, they used the word bisexual, like his mom used it or something. Like she was like, you're not still bisexual, are you? Like, mm-hmm. or something. And it was like such an organic way to, to work it in and like, you know, set like use the word. And he was like, yeah, I am mom. Um, and he 
absolute, like every choice that this kid made on the season was like the worst choice he could have possibly made. He was like an absolute mess. And that is my ideal by representation because I love it when it stays messy because I think there's been this tendency of, of by for, from by activists um, to like polish up by representation. So it's very like de-sexed and like, oh, yeah. you know, clean around the edges, but I'm like, we should be allowed to be as messy as everybody else. And like sex is a huge part of the bi experience and that should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge part of our identities in general, but in general, like, yeah, exactly. Like I have this friend who I think he identifies as, I'm pretty sure he identifies as gay, but like he goes to sex parties and stuff. And sometimes there'll be people who identify as women there and he'll have sex with people who are of different genders, but yet his life is primarily gay it's just in those yeah. moments it's sort of the spectrum falls in and i love that because it's sort of this like idea of like he can identify as gay but yet still have sex with a woman and it's not going to change his identity because it's all a part of the moment it's yeah i find that to be so fascinating and liberating frankly yeah i i also think it's interesting like there's no real like life that is bisexual like that was another like part of the challenge for me like I when I I started like becoming like almost friends with this group of lesbians by which I mean they like invited me to one party and then I like <laughs> imagined my whole life as if I were their best friend um and I was like I don't like want to quit everything like I have a, a group of friends that I love like most of them are queer men like I don't know how to like transition from that to this like I don't want a whole I'm tired like I'm in my 30s I want to go to bed I don't yeah. want to go to bars <laughs> and tired. I was like yeah exactly I I identify as tired yes uh, Hannah Gadsby. sexuality um now yeah. I, I want to ask you real quick because I believe one of uh one of the essays in your book covers a topic near and dear to my heart which is the quote the enduring fear that you're bad at sex am I correct <laughs> about that uh yes so tell me yes, a little yes. bit about that, because that is literally something that I'm always battling in my head. <laughs> yes. There's an essay called Bad at Sex. Um, mm -hmm. And let me <laughs> let me just confirm with my with my trusty copy um, yeah. that it is. OK, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the one I there's also one about like masturbating wrong. So I wasn't sure. Oh, OK, I, 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 I did to... that in like sixth grade. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's still something that I worry about. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Bad at Sex essay is about like the first time that I like really hooked up with a woman and uh, just it went like so it, it was the second time. I don't know. It, mm -hmm. it was there had been a few, but they this was one that like mattered to me and mm -hmm. it just went terribly. And the whole time I was in my head and there was this tension between like, I had finally gotten myself to a place where I felt like I was like good at, at straight sex. Like I felt like I like had a handle on it and was like, at, like top of my game kind of, but I didn't want to be doing anything more. So I was like, yeah. okay, time to bring it over here. My partner uh, has like a revolutionary view on, on it. I mean, maybe not, but maybe like all queer people know this, but I didn't. And, um, but they were like, it's really the same. Like the core components of it are the same. You just, yeah. you just talk, you communicate more and, uh, it's the same if you're doing it right mm -hmm. on both, yeah. on both sides. But I, I think in the, um, 
in straight mm-hmm. sex, there's a tendency to just like follow a script. Um, and I was not prepared to like, I didn't know, I didn't really know what, what to do. Um, mm-hmm. so yes, it's, it's an enduring That's, fear. It's very scary. Was, yeah. It's very scary and it's clunky and it's, and, and especially being older and not like that is part of the, the clunkiness of if you, in my opinion, part of the, the, um, the, the, the misjudge the misjustice injustice that happens to queer kids i think is you know i i don't expect there to be full-blown like gay bi lesbian everything in between sex in health classes yeah Uh, i just know that's not realistic but there kids would benefit i think from not only learning more about the female anatomy but but from understanding in some capacity, Take gender out of it. Talk about how it works. You no, know? like I never got Talk that. Talk about what? Sorry. How nowadays, in in sex ed or whatever, gender does not need to be a part of it. Just talk about yeah. the bodies. Talk about bodies, right? That's all and the spectrum of bodies mm-hmm. and how they can relate to each other in the the various wonderful ways they can. And, and like consent and like how communication and stuff. I read um, in the process, I was like, I wrote the first draft of the book in three months, which I don't like to say because it makes it sound like the book is bad. Um, but <laughs> but some people have said it's not bad. So I hope it's not bad. But um, <laughs> it was nominated for an award. Um, but uh, and here I lose my train of thought again after I brag about my book. Um, what, what was I? What was I? Alan was talking about sex ed should just be talking about oh yes yes yes. oh yes so I I had to like do speed research during that during those three months like I was cramming down like so many amazing books I've never read that fast in my life Mm. and I read an incredible essay called um tomorrow in in the book uh tomorrow sex will be good again Mm. um and it's I really really recommend it it's like a collection of four essays um and it's about the idea that like there's this focus on affirmative consent but all of that is like taking out the fact that it's like a step beyond affirmative consent in the idea that like sex is supposed to be pleasurable and be sexy and like you know a lot of times an argument like on the other side is like when you're focused so focused on affirmative consent it's like not sexy to and, and that's like a bad thing to say. But this author's argument is like, no, that's true. But like, we don't have a culture that is oriented enough toward caring about other people's pleasure that yes. it matters. That, that it actually, mm-hmm. that it actually culminates. Yeah. yeah. Like you, it's, it's, I mean, I think yeah. it's, it's hard to, to find that balancing act where it's like how to have a sexy language around the, a, a, a policing of sex that is necessary especially for women's safety i think you know but you know for everybody of course but like yeah we're not encouraged to really do that although i do feel like that's changing not that i'm like talking about the things that we like and we don't like because we go into it expecting like you know this is how it's supposed to be or this is how we've seen it done in porn or this is how and so you don't have i remember the first time i was ever with a trans man i was so nervous because i didn't know how to navigate sex i was attracted Mm -hmm. to this person but I didn't know how to navigate sex. And I was never taught the conversation around how to communicate, how to navigate that. that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was, I, I felt like I learned a lot from that person and that like, just the open consent of just sort of having that conversation. And it actually is kind of hot then because then 
you grow and learn. Mm. Yeah. That like, I feel like one of the most educational things that I saw was it was like a TikTok, of course, about somebody, someone was like role playing, like as if it was like POV, you're uh, POV, we're about to have sex or something. And um, they were like, uh, so how do you feel about when I touch you like here? Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Like here. And it, it was implied that the, the person that they were talking to had had top surgery and they were like, okay, so avoid this area. Okay. And uh, like pointing to the chest. And I thought it was just like, it was so beautifully done. Um, yeah. I yeah. want Brent to do that yeah. and have them be like, only touch my lips. Only touch, <laughs> oh, oh, touch the only back touch of my, my hair. Just yeah. touch my yeah. hair. That's it. Yeah. Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Your book is called Greedy. Notes from a bisexual who wants too much. Uh, where, can people, <laughs> where can people find you online? And obviously, where can they find your book? I'm assuming Amazon. Uh, yes, but you should buy it from Bookshop to support independent bookstores. Um, but you can find me on the internet at generous, J-E-N-E-R-O-U-S. <laughs> awesome. I like how you were like, I forgot, forgot how to spell it. <laughs> I normally well, say you. generous with a J, but like yeah. I, someone just recently told me that, that they don't know what that means. So, <laughs> so I'm no, trying, trying something new. Well, uh, thank you so much, Jen. Well, thank you so much for joining Yeah. Us, thank Jen. you for having me. And another thing. So I've I often talk about Howard Stern or I reference Howard no. Stern and you guys reference no. my, <laughs> my my um uh uh obsession with Howard Stern and I want to use the opportunity to explain how my love for Howard is multifaceted mm. because I've come into I've met people who have been like oh I would never think you would listen to Howard Stern or I'd never think you'd be interested in that and it takes me a minute to realize that it does require explanation that uh, I was such a resistant. I was so resistant to, to listening to it um, until my friend, Michael, my friend, Michael, uh, who's a teacher in New York and sort of a media savant. Yeah, we have almost, you know, parallel taste in, in, in film and TV yeah. and stuff. And he for and years, he was like, yeah. And he was like, you would love you would love the show. And I was like, no, he's like a racist and he's misogynistic and mm -hmm. gross. And, and he's like, I'm, I'm telling you, he's not, you know, and I just didn't believe him until he finally got me to listen to um, an episode. And Howard was interviewing tan mom, mm -hmm. but speak, talking to her, like she was like a diplomat, you know, mm -hmm. like treating her as if she were no different than like Hillary Clinton, quite frankly. Yeah. One of my um, favorite. And it, was, it was great. Yeah. What's that? Hillary Clinton was one of my favorite Stern interviews. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. But all that to say, and this is things that I feel like I need to explain now to people who understandably are surprised that I'm a, I'm a Stern fan, is that he's had a huge um, evolution. And it's right. actually grown the it's it's earned the ire of a lot of people who are, are upset that he has evolved, that he's really calmed down. There's really there really is no more like. Um, porn stars or like yeah, sex yeah. workers really on the show anymore you know he's older and and the show is subjective because it's all him it's all based on his personality or whims or interests or you know all of those things and so uh yeah anyway so i just wanted to um yeah one of my favorite things yeah. is that like uh i meet people i would say like one in every 200 people is a 
an absolute huge Stern fan. Yeah. And usually, you know, you don't know for a while and then like eventually it will come out and, uh, and I always bring up Elliot whenever I was just went to on a trip to Vegas and one of the, one of my friends who was on the trip was like, Oh yeah, I, I love, I love Stern. And I was like, you know, Elliot discovered him like six years ago and is literally going through the canon like yeah, episode by episode. Every yeah. time I've ever been in his <clears throat> car, he's listening to an episode from like 2003 or something. I think that, I haven't gotten back that far yet, but I'm, think, I'm afraid I'm afraid of going. I'm, I'm very uh, re- resistant towards going back far enough because I'm afraid of him here listening to the era in which he does, yeah. you know, use epithets or is even mm-hmm. grosser to women. And so yeah. I, I, I admire. Uh, I acknowledge that it's like it's very layered. Well, and um, that's and what I think is so interesting is the evolution. I mean, I respect Stern for who he is now and for what he's done to the landscape of media in a way. I mean, it's it's very impressive. And Private Parts is one of my favorite books slash movies. I think it's and amazing. we've had we've had Nick Ruckert, a writer yeah. for the show on our show and who proves for, you know, solely by his own wit that he is uh, that that it's you know it's it can be highbrow if you, even with yeah. toilet humor. Yeah, someone like Nick is a great comedy writer and a really transcendent gay guy who would probably prove you wrong yeah. if you would think that Stern wasn't and a, a huge a, fan of Sadie yeah, Pines. I will say, oh, huge fan of right. Sadie Pines. Nice. But no, so I think the evolution of Stern is such a great example for how we can navigate cancel culture. I've always thought this in that you know his past is. I think he should be held accountable for his past. And, and I think he holds himself accountable for his past. He does, yeah. And for many of the things that he did, particularly, I wouldn't, I mean, I really can't speak to the racist element of it because I don't really know that history. But I do know, particularly around like the John Wayne Bobbitt, Lorena Bobbitt, that whole era and the way he was talking about her, even though she was like clearly a victim of abuse and how disgusting it was. I mean, my mother hated him because he mm-hmm. would speak so flippantly not in a comedic way it wasn't talented he wasn't speaking in a comedic talented way about this case he was basically just shitting on this woman and making this woman who was a victim of abuse for years and years proven victim of abuse for years and years just a a, a shit show you know and that Mm -hmm. was gross and he's acknowledged that over the years and he's acknowledged he's evolved from that and why i think it's such a great example of sort of how we can navigate cancel culture and that we shouldn't really even have cancel culture we should have accountability culture like Sonny hostin says on the view yes that we love it that that these people need to be held accountable for what they have said. That said, we can also, they're a great example, and Howard Stern's a great example of how you can evolve from that, change the way you yeah. think, how over time you can be in in accordance with sort of how people are evolving and recognize, I think we even have this too. As queer people, we should recognize that like back in the day when we would say things like the horrible term like tranny and stuff, tranny, that, was, right. that was wrong of us. Oh, and no. and to acknowledge that it's wrong and to do better now, I think that is a wonderful, wonderful example. And I think well, Stern's emblematic of that. You want to create uh, the possibility that someone will evolve. Yeah, right. right. I mean, is, yeah. Isn't that the inherent nature of trying to create a better society is that yeah. you don't cast someone out which, by the way, you can't do successfully. You might get them fired from the job, but that you can't kick them out of the country. You don't just do that. You want to create a space such that they're comfortable realizing the error of their yeah. ways. And if they and don't so, realize that, that is when actions that's can when be you held can be accountable. Like, yeah, yeah, you're you're an asshole. But but if somebody d- digs their heels in in being, you know, racist or being you know uh, simple minded or narrow minded, yeah. but someone like Stern is. I, like to your to your point, Brent, and just and, and Alan, he's he's he does 
talk about his past with a reverence where it's like he's not going to deny anything it's all there yeah but Mm -hmm. he will also acknowledge that like he's been in psychoanalysis for now for like 20 years i mean yeah it's it's a very complicated thing but i think now you're right with the way that the world goes and and the way that people the way that culture cancel culture works i understand why someone would wince if if they thought that i was listening to the same person who was on the air in like 1998 yeah Yeah. which by the way that whole era i'm like not into i'm I'm opposed to it i'm not interested Mm -hmm. in it and i think that it's private parts era i loved private parts but i I was scared of him but i also got it like i got i think in a way and i think we're all sort of victims of this or we're all should be held responsible for this in that we didn't question anything you know, we just saw exactly. it, we just yes. saw it as entertainment. He was providing it, but also we were taking it in. And I, as a kid, was being like, "I love private parts." And then I'm realizing, like, "Oh, well, maybe, maybe they're maybe they're being mean to women here." <laughs> you know, oh, I mean, the craziest thing is like, I mean, and he's a huge part of it is like the Monica Lewinsky era. Yeah, the way that she was labeled this like bimbo slut. Yeah, and it's like a twenty one year old girl. Now, Mm-hmm. Right, like in retroactively or retro, you know, in in retrospect, it's it really is bonkers yeah. to look back and see that that was essentially the overarching narrative that yeah, this young woman, not that she, not that it wasn't consensual and agreed upon, but that there, that there were some power dynamics at play. Yeah, that this wasn't a man stepping out in his marriage in a place of business, He's like abusing his all power. Of the, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not trying to draw a parallel genuinely between the person I'm about to mention, but I, I, I still I can't help but do it when I think about things that we will look back on in 10 or 20 years as like extreme. I still think about the way Rebecca Black was treated after oh. she released that video. Uh, the Friday, off, Friday, you know, awful Friday, Friday video oh. and how this 14 year old girl was absolutely decimated yeah. by blogs by the the internet as a whole. And of course the video is absurd and silly and ridiculous, but she is 14 years old. I'll never yeah. I'll never get over that. I well, remember I think it that happening conversation, and thinking, no, madness. I think you're right. Yes, but I also think <clears throat> there's an element to that that has a lot to do with sort of wealth and privilege that that was a large part of the conversation was that this rich girl oh, right. parents paid for all that. of this. And now she has a chart-topping thing, and it's like, okay, well, then great. Let's make fun of wealth. And it also is interesting. I think it was right around the time um, the Wall Street protest. What was – oh, God, what was that? Oh, uh, uh, Occupy Wall Occupy Street. Wall Street. And then the recession happened and all of those things that – it happened in the in the sort of the shadow of all of that. And I think wealth was a big part of that. Wealth was a big part of it, but – I think at the end of the day, I mean, if, if she's if a kid, you, if she's you really a kid. want to, yeah, she's, a kid. she's a kid. We also, I mean, make fun of the company that makes, that takes $25,000 to make yeah. a silly, poorly made, you know, music video. I mean, God love or, it. It's or even today, scheme, but the, the critics of Greta Thunberg and or Thornburg, 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 Thunberg, Thunberg. Wait, what? Thunberg. Thunberg. Wow. I'm off a lot. You are, um, you are no, way but, out of line. Her, Alan. Critics, her critics and the, the way that, that adults who might have a different political belief, the things they'll say about her. Yeah, and this yeah, is a child. Crazy. And sure, she is she's saying, you know, she's saying everything correct in, in my opinion. But yeah. the things that she's saying, she's stating facts, and she is also very provocative. But I don't think we should lose sight that that's a child we're talking with. Yeah. Maybe yeah. don't tweet disgusting things at her, Andrew yeah. Tate. 
Can, can we also talk about during this discussion, I became very concerned when Elliot, for the first time, I think in his entire oh life, God. draped put a, a blanket, blanket on over yes. his shoulders. Oh, Are you yeah. ready? Yeah. That I put on a Are blanket. you okay? Yeah. I'm Are a little cold? chilly. Oh, I, wow. <laughs> the heat is actually oh. on. Oh, wow. It's, it's yeah. actually a nice blanket. It's a nice, yeah, like, looks nice. beautiful mustard yellow. Yeah. Well, it's the one that I also sleep with. <laughs> it's thin as can be. Um, it's like a tissue. Oh, it's that's heavier Ikea. than my blanket. I just sleep with the, wow. the, the sheet that is supposed to I thought to you like a, a heated, a, a, a weighted blanket. No, my, remember my cat took it. I don't even have that yeah, anymore. that's right. His cat took it. Yeah, but you blanket. still you still sleep under a, he, uh, uh, a big comforter? No, not at all. I sleep under, oh. what is the sheet that you use that's sort of the separation between the fitted sheet and the, the comforter? What the is duvet? It? Or whatever it's called. It's like the thinnest sheet. And it's, yeah. it's yeah. literally like I'm, I have a t-shirt over me. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't put that sheet on my bed. I, I have a oh, fitted sheet, and then I have my down comforter. That's it. Oh, interesting. Case, case closed. Because that middle sheet is useless. No, it protects from sweat and stuff. It protects your mattress. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're supposed to sleep on top of that? I think yes. you're supposed to sleep underneath no, you're it. You're supposed to on top of it. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, who fucking cares? <laughs> <laughs> What would, would your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Uh, believe it or not, your Uncle Hamilton has been calling his butt a bussy for 30 years. <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, so is so am I juicy or juicy? <laughs> <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you think I'll get a drink, a free drink at the gay bar if I say, I don't call me a wussy, I'm down with the bussy. <laughs> <laughs> well... I'll have a margarita. <laughs> bye. Well, that, that's a great way to end it. Well, well, bye, bye, well, bye, bye. I was gonna say bye, 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 pan, bussy pride, twenty twenty three. I'm just waiting for the the bussy flag. <laughs> DM us your bussies. DM us your bussies. No, don't, don't. No, don't. Okay, just DM, DM me. Elliot. Yeah, DM me and Elliot. Just you know, do he'll, a group. He'll probably, do all group texts with Elliot and I about bussies. Ugh, I don't want them. Mm, bussy pride. <laughs>